Good morning. I feel like it's been a little bit since I've seen some of y'all. I'm happy to be back, and as I was sitting, actually, uh, I know Blake was preaching last week, and Blake made this reference. I remember talking to him before he preached the week before, and he was talking about this idea of Jesus went and spent time by the lake. And I was like, I think I'm going to be like Jesus. So I went and spent some time by the lake. Uh, But this this past week, I was reminded so often that I feel like in Michigan, summertime is wedding time. Anybody else? It's like everybody and their literal brother is getting married in the summertime. Uh, when Corey and I got married in the, uh, we kind of got married in September, not kind of, we actually did get married actually in <laughs> September uh, of 2013. Um, I do know my wedding day, I promise you guys. Uh, September in 2013, uh, all of our friends, it seemed like we all decided that we were all going to get married in that time frame, right? So like the summer 2013 into the fall of 2013, I think if I remember correctly, it was upwards of about 15 or so weddings. And those were the ones that we like made. <laughs> there was others that we had to decline too, right? So I remember even as, as we're getting married, we're preparing for our wedding, I say we, it mostly was Courtney and I went along with the food tasting because I was good at that stuff, right? <laughs> Anything else, I was like, just, just choose whatever you want. I don't really care, right? And so when we're preparing for our wedding, there was, there was this one night, my buddy was getting married on Friday, but Court's, one of her best friends was getting married on Saturday. So she had the wedding dress rehearsal, right? The dinner rehearsal, the, the night of my best friend's wedding. And so I remember we're sitting there and we're like, what are we going to do? Like, how are we going to make this work? And so she went and she did the whole, you know, dinner rehearsal. She went through all the stuff for her best friend. And I'm over here. I went solo to my best friend's wedding. And then she joined me at the reception. And I remember so often we were just trying to figure out the dynamics of how are we going to make all of these weddings and invitations that we've got, right? All these invitations we received, how are we going to make it work? We're looking at a calendar, and if you know me, that means I'm looking at my phone on my little eye calendar on my iPhone trying to figure out what do I have, when can I make it? But there was multiple times where we were looking at our calendars, and we came to a conclusion there were some of these weddings we couldn't make. Whether it was ah, we're out of town, I'm so sorry, we're not going to be able to make it. Or, or maybe it was, you know what, like we have previous obligations and we can't get out of those. I'm so sorry, we can't make it. We just couldn't go. There was even some weddings where maybe we originally RSVP'd for and something came up and we said, I'm so sorry, we won't be there. As I was diving into the, the text for today, I couldn't help but start to be, ask myself and think, how many times have we initially said yes to God, but then we come back to him and we said, you know what? I'm not going to go. He's invited us into something, but yet we have an excuse to say, maybe not. Maybe it's we have previous obligations and we can't make it anymore. God, I've gotten so busy with this project, I can't make it to what you are inviting me to go and do. It, 
maybe there's also just the reality where our excuse is, I just don't want to. God has invited us into so much. But how often have we or I answered, I just can't go. I think it leads to this idea of, and maybe even the question of, have we accepted God's invite to his table? Have we accepted his invite to his table or are we just making excuses? Have we accepted the invite or are we just making excuses? And I know for some of us, we, we walk into today, like Steve said, maybe even where we have all these things that we've been walking through in this past week or past year, or past few months, whatever it might be. And, and we have excuses of, well, God, I just can't do that because this hasn't happened yet. Or God, I just don't want to do that because you didn't answer this prayer. Or God, I'm just not going to do that because, and we fill in the blank with whatever excuse we can come up with. But his invitation is still there. The parable that Jesus talks about and speaks about today is one that I believe is incredibly needed for today. It's incredibly important for us even in this moment today. Because I think we can find ourselves in this parable. If you have your Bible, we're going to be in Luke 14. And this is uh, Luke 14. This is Jesus. And again, he's, he's talking and he's speaking. There's a group of people. And as you open up your Bible, you'll see that the first thing that he does is he heals on the Sabbath. So Jesus is my type of person. He's making waves when he shouldn't be, according to the culture, right? He's healing on the Sabbath. He's doing things he's not supposed to. And then he talks about humility, Humility, that's a whole nother lesson that we're not even going to talk about today, but we probably should sometime, right? And then it gets to the point where we're going to be in verses uh, kind of 12 uh, through 24-ish, maybe. So uh, we're going to start in verse 12, and this is what it says, 12 through 14. So then Jesus turns to the host, and he says, when you put on a luncheon or a banquet, he said, don't invite your friends, your brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors. For they will invite you back, and that will be your only reward. Instead, invite the poor, invite the crippled, invite the lame, and invite the blind. Because then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. So here Jesus is, and he just is kind of, this is the, these two or three verses here are the last little bit Last little bit about Jesus' teaching about humility. And so he says, don't invite your, your rich neighbors. Don't invite your, your brothers and your, your relatives. Those are the ones who we usually invite, am I right? Those are the convenient ones. If we're being honest with you, with, if I'm being honest with you, those are the ones that I would invite. Why? Because I am a fallen human and I like the idea that if I do something for you, you're going to do something for me. Anybody else like that idea? We can all be real, right? That's our goal as our culture. Our culture even says it, right? Like how often do we look at life with the idea or the sense of what will I get back in return from you if I invite you to this? I remember, again, even thinking back to our wedding. There's people I was like, who are these people that we're supposed to invite? These are like our third cousins twice removed. I don't even know who they are. 
And it's like, I don't know, but they're family and they give good gifts. I was like, I'm in. Send them an invite, right? We invite people with this idea of, if I invite you to the party, you're going to invite me to your party. If I invite you to my wedding, you're going to invite me to your wedding. If I invite you to this party, you're going to grant me access to this elite list of people that I can gain something from. If I invite you to the party, you're going to give me the better portion of the deal, right? If I invite you to this party, you're going to sneak some extra benefits my way. This is how our world has always operated. If I invite you to this, what are you doing back for me? Because it better be for right now, and it better be the best option, and it better be the best deal I can get. But again, Jesus here is pointing to something bigger, something grander than what we can even imagine. He's talking about the blessing of the resurrection as, as he closes that, right? Like the resurrection of the righteous. God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay, repay you. So Jesus is saying, invite those people, be with those people because the reward is far greater in heaven than you, anything you can imagine here on this earth. And as Jesus is speaking and sharing this parable, he's speaking directly to many, not only in that culture, but I would even dare say that one today as well. Many people even today need to hear what Jesus says in these next few verses because we've all be, become preoccupied with excuses that we don't even begin to see what Jesus is doing. Look at what he says, verses 16 through 20. I'm actually going to go 15 through 20. I know it says 16 up there, but this is what it says. Hearing this, a man who is sitting at the table with Jesus exclaims, what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. You can almost hear maybe some of the sense of pride coming out of this man. Maybe it's just me. After Jesus just says, don't invite the rich people and your brothers and your relatives, but invite the poor, the lame and the blind, the ones who can't repay you. This guy just sits there and he says, Man, what a blessing it'd be to be at the table of the king. And then Jesus responds and he replies with this. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. And when the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. But they all began to make excuses. One said, oh, I have just bought a field and I must go inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. And another said, I just got married. I can't come. That's it. That last one always gets me. I just got married. I can't come. Bro, really? We'll talk about that in a little bit. So culturally, here it is, right? Like the, 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 the man prepares this great banquet. And he says, go, tell them the banquet is coming. And culturally, we have to understand, they didn't have texting, they didn't have email, they even really didn't have the, the snail mail postal service. So what would happen is that months and weeks, way ahead of time, they would get invited to the banquet. So you would know about the date. I would go and I would send a servant out or a messenger out and say, the banquet is coming. The banquet is going to be on this day. Make sure you reserve it. And people would say, I'll be there. Count me in. And then on the day of the banquet, the day of the banquet, 
the host would send out messengers again and say, the banquet feast is ready. Come and enjoy. So the exact time would not be announced until the day of the event. Many would accept the invitation a long time out. Many would possibly plan for it. But when the time came for them to truly step into the invitation, what happened? They had excuses. They had all the excuses. I mean, God has given the invite to all of us, but have we decided that we have better things or obligations in our lives? Have we sat here and said, I know the invitation is there. I know the banquet is is coming, but I'm just too busy. I got excuses. You got excuses. We all have excuses. And look at the first two. If you go back and look, look at those first two. The material things, new land and oxen. New land. How many of you right now would go and buy a piece of land without ever looking at or stepping foot on it? Anybody? No, because only a fool would do it, right? You don't buy a piece of land and then go and inspect it. You, you look at it, you, you try to do research and understand what you are actually getting before you actually go and buy it. Only a fool would buy a piece of land and then decide to go look at it. And it's the same with oxen. Again, I know you guys probably can't tell looking at me, but believe me, I'm not a farmer, <laughs> okay? I'm not. I don't own a pair of cowboy boots. I know, shocker. I have Nikes, but not cowboy boots. That's my bro, Colton. Um, But you wouldn't buy oxen and then just decide to go test them. You'd go look at it. You'd go see if they are sound. You'd see if they are fit to do the work you're hoping that they're going to do. You wouldn't just go buy it and then go test it. It shows this preoccupation of not just the men here, but even of us today. We get so consumed with the material things that we miss the grand feast waiting for us and that's been prepared for us. We get so consumed in the things of right here, right now, that we miss the things that God has in store for us. And this last one, the third one, I, I just got married, so I can't come. He doesn't even say, please excuse me. What a jerk. I just got married, so I can't come. Now, whatever bro is doing because he just got married, beside the point here. But the reality is, is that, yes, our families and our relationships are important. But what is the most important thing that we can model for our families? It's the the reality that God always comes first. God's invitations and God's word and God's instructions for us and his will for us always comes first. And that Jesus would come first, that he is our priority and he's first in our lives. One uh, commentator put it this way, that the back of an excuse is a lack of desire. The back of an excuse is a lack of desire. So truly, did these people have the desire to join the host at the banquet? Do we have the desire to join the heavenly host at the banquet he's preparing for us? What has God invited you or I into that we have given more excuses 
rather than accepting him and walking into what he has for us? What have I given excuses to? What have you given excuses to? 2019, I remember sitting, it was in February, at a Bigby coffee shop. And this lady reached out to me and she said, hey, can you meet Kyle? And I said, yeah, no problem. And we sat and then she started to talk about this this crazy idea. She's like, Kyle, listen, I'm I'm part of this organization and I want to invite you into something. I was like, okay, I'm listening. She's like, we help people across the globe gain access to, to water, people who just don't have it. And I'm like, wow, that sounds incredible. She's like, yeah. I was like, how do you help? She's like, well, we run a half marathon or marathon. And I was like, y'all are nuts. <laughs> in, that, in that conversation, she started to share about World Vision and, and their, their partnership with churches. And so in 2019, we had a, a team of us that decided to sign up and we're going to run a half marathon. But one of the craziest decisions I've ever made in my life. And I remember getting done with it and I was like, I am never doing that again. <laughs> and then I did two more. And I'm taking a break this year because I have four kids now. That's my excuse to be out there, y'all. Um, <laughs> heard it here first, right? So, but, but if I remember even this first conversation with so many of us, right? I remember having the first conversation and saying it to all of us at the, the first Sunday. And I was like, we're going to run a half marathon or a marathon. And we're going to bring clean water to kids. And if you're interested, stay after service. The look on some people's faces were like, he has lost it. He has officially lost it. And I, I had probably the same look of like, I have officially lost it. But there's so many people. I, I, I think of uh, Robin Tuttle, and I think of Sarah Lehman right now. And they, they're upping it this year. They're going from a half marathon to a full marathon. I think they're crazy. But I'm going to cheer them on, right? Like, I'm like, hey, yeah, you go as I'm eating my Cheetos. That's fine. <laughs> but, like, the reality for them is I remember talking to them and just hearing their heart of, like, God has officially broken their heart for what breaks his. And this is the manner of what he has done that with. He's inviting them into something bigger than they ever could have imagined. He's inviting them into something. He's inviting us into something bigger than ourselves, bigger than our own little West Michigan Bible bubble. And he's saying, come and be the change that I wish to see in your world. You pray my kingdom come, my will be done. Like if God is saying that to us, that God, Kyle, you as a church, you're praying that God, your kingdom will come, that your will will, will be done. This is how it's going to come. By getting off, off your butt and doing it with me. I think of so many times we've been hesitant to say yes because it scares us, because it's too big for us, because in our minds, maybe it's just not something that impacts me. So why does it matter? Why does it matter? There's so many excuses, but the real question is, why do we feel we need to give God, the God of the universe, why do we feel we need to give the God of the universe, the Heavenly Father, who's so loving, all of our junk excuses that don't hold up? 
Why do I feel like I have to give him excuses? Why do I feel like he's sitting there and when I give him this excuse, he's like, oh, okay, Kyle, no problem, yeah. You're too busy, okay. I'm constantly reminded that God has never desired excuses. But rather, God has desired our authentic and real hearts. God doesn't want the excuse of like, well, God, I've never ran more than a mile. You laugh. He doesn't want the excuse of like, God, I've never ran more than a mile. God, I've never done this before. God, this is a lot to ask. He wants, God, this terrifies me. I don't know if I can do that. Can you, can you help me achieve that with you? Do we see the difference in the authentic and real heart of like, God, I know what you're inviting me into. We acknowledge the invitation. I know what you're inviting me into. I know what you're calling me into. And I, I see what you're doing in it. And I want to be a part of it, but I am terrified <clears throat> compared to God, I really like Cheetos, and I'm really comfy. And that's over in Africa. That doesn't really bother me. It doesn't impact me. I'm really sad for them, but I don't want to run. God has never desired our excuses. God's desired our authentic and real hearts, hearts that say, what are you inviting me into? And sometimes it's less about wanting something other than God's plan and more maybe that we just believe we're too busy for him. I remember having conversations with just people recently of like, I've never read the Bible before, Kyle, but I went on this retreat, this camp, and God is just, I'm in the season of saying Yes to God. <laughs> and I remember asking them, like, what does that mean? And, and their exact response is, I don't know. Whatever God invites me into, I'm just going to say yes. I was like, that sounds like a wild ride. And with a smile on their face, they were like, yeah, it is. That, to me, is like an invitation, an invitational heart. Okay, God, what are you inviting me into? I'll say Yes. Even before I know some of these things, even before I know, I'll say yes, because I know you are in it. And I know you've confirmed this. I know that you've affirmed this. I know that you're inviting me into this. It's easier to find time for us for things like work and play than it is for prayer, reading scripture, and even just general time with God. God created work, but he also created play. They obviously are not evil things. But when the things God intended for our benefit are the exact things we use in, as an excuse not to follow God's invitation for us, it's a pretty big slap in his face. And Jesus, even in this parable, he ends this parable in 21 through 24. The servant the servant returned and told his master what they had said. And his master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town. Invite the poor, invite the crippled, invite the blind and the lame. 
after the servant had done this, he reported, there's still room for more. So his master said, go into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you can find to come so that the house will be full. For none of those I first invited will even get the smallest taste of my banquet. One translation, I love the way uh, another translation puts it, and it says, when it says, so the master said, go out into the country and behind the hedges and compel. It uses this word compel or urge. Compel, <clears throat> urge, compel is this great desire of God. Compel them to fill the house. It's through his love that we are drawn to him. It's through his love that we as sinners and broken people come and, and are welcomed into his house even when we are still messy, even when we are still dirty, broken, and searching. I mean, it's just right there, right? Like, go and tell the people in the alleys. Go and tell the people who are crippled and blind and lame. Go and tell the people who are in the country who smell like cow manure, the ones who are working with the oxen. Go and tell the people who are far off, who are filthy from their toes all the way up into their hairs. Go and tell them to come to the great feast. They don't got to go shower. They don't got to go get their act together. Just come to my house and eat the feast and banquet I prepare for you. Can I just share that there is a radical move, I believe, that God wants to do in our world and especially in our community today when we begin to take it seriously when he says, go out and make disciples. Go out and tell the world all about me. There's a move of God if we take his word seriously. When we walk in the invitation with the power of the Holy Spirit with us, God is going to do dynamic and great things. Compel. Compel us by your love. Compel us by your grace, God. Where is God asking us to go and to urge and compel others to come into his house, to be welcomed into his house, and be welcomed with the great feast that he has prepared? And, and hear me on this. This is not manipulating or being forceful. If we're being honest, history shows us that the church has done this wrong too. This is not go and manipulate or go and be forceful. This is how do we show the radical love and grace and mercy of an all-loving God to a broken and hurting world? It's by saying, hey, <clears throat> the master's, table is open and he wants you to come I want to walk with you back to the house would you join me would you join me as we walk back to his house I, I think about this word compel and I think of the urgent desire to see the house of God full I think of this urgent desire to see the house of God full that the broken would come and sit that the hurting would come and find healing. The searching would come and find answers and truth. That the messed up would come and just be in his presence. That there would be no excuses as to why people can't come to the table, but rather that they would know that they're invited. They're invited. So as we close today, as Katie comes up and... <clears throat> As God invites us to the table, the question is, is do we accept it? 
do we try to give excuses to avoid it? Are we too busy? Are we too busy to sit with him, to feast with him at his banquet table and all that he has prepared? God has never desired excuses, but rather he has desired our authentic and real hearts, no matter how broken and confused they may be. That last phrase stirs within me. Are we going out and compelling others with his love and his grace to come to the table? Because the feast is set. The table is set. There's plenty of room. God has the invite out. Are we making excuses not to attend? Not to attend? And sometimes are we making excuses for others not to attend? I'm not going to talk to them. They're too messed up. I'm just going to let them be. They don't believe what I believe. Are we making excuses? The table was something that was so beautiful. It was something that was so rewarding in a lot of ways too. Because even in Jesus' last days, one of the last things Jesus did was sit at a table. He sat with 12 of his closest friends. And as he did that, there's something that is never lost on me in this moment. I shared it with our band before we came out as we took communion together. That as Jesus sent his disciples out to to go and get the upper room set and the table set, they replied back that everything's all set and they they arrived and there Jesus sat. And you can imagine the table being prepared and the feast was ready and everything was great and, and beautiful. And his disciples maybe didn't fully understand in this moment what was going down, but Jesus did. Because it says even in, in, in Luke 22 here that, that Jesus, he, he took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. And he broke it into pieces and he gave it to his disciples. And he says, this is my body. This is my body, which is given for you. It's broken. So take it and do this in remembrance of me. And then at the, at the meal, he took his cup and he raised it and he said this. He says, he, he took the cup of wine and he said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. This is an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out for you as a sacrifice. And so as Jesus is sitting there and, and at the table, his disciples are all there. And Jesus gets done talking about his body and his blood. And he says, do this in remembrance of me. Judas ate too. The one who would betray the Messiah. The one who would sell him off. The one who probably out of any of the other ones was not worthy to sit there. Judas ate too. 
don't know what you've walked in with today. I don't know what brokenness or how unworthy you may feel. I come to the table sometimes feeling unworthy and dirty as all get out. Maybe I'm the only one, but I am reminded time and time and time again that the table of God is a place where I'm invited, even in my brokenness, even in my filth, because Jesus invites me to it. I don't have to get it all together. That's good news for a broken person, amen? And so this morning, as we, as we prepare, as we prepare to, to come to the table, you don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have all the answers. Communion is a time for us to remember the sacrifice of Jesus. His body and his blood broken for each and every one of us. It's also a, a moment for us to repent. Repent of the brokenness and the sin and the, the pain maybe that we've been walking in. Repent of, of the intentional sin that we've been living in. It's also a moment for us to reconcile. Maybe there's some relationships in our own lives right now that need to be reconciled. And there's maybe even some of us today that you've been wrestling with this Jesus guy for a while. And maybe today is the day where you say, today I want to put my hope and my faith and my trust in Jesus. Maybe you need to rededicate your life today. I would love to pray with you before you come to the table if that's you today. If today is the day where you need to rededicate your life or dedicate your life for the first time. We truly believe there's a celebration in heaven when a lost son or daughter comes home and puts her faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so as we just prepare today to take communion together, as you walk up to the table, would you just take a piece of bread and dip it in the juice and then, and then take it? That's how you remember the sacrifice of Jesus. I'd love to pray for us as we set the table today. Father, we come before you and just acknowledge that you are God. That you gave your son as an ultimate price, an ultimate sacrifice for our sins. And so God, as we prepare our hearts right now, Lord, to partake in your body and your blood, as we remember your sacrifice through the, the bread and the juice, I ask today, Lord, that you would just begin to sweep over us. Remind us that we are invited into your presence, that we are invited into your, at, at your table, that you have a spot for us, and that we are wanted there. So Lord, as we know the table is open and the invite is there, I ask that you would just stir and speak to us. And God would just ask that right now that your Holy Spirit would fall fresh and that your spirit would come to each and every one of us and that we, we would have intimate relationship with you. We pray this in your name.